Coast Church, Charlotte. Preaching for a few moments on the this this idea of how we wrestle between what we think makes us successful and what we think makes us unsuccessful, and we have this tension within us, particularly as the products of capitalism, uh, the products of being a wealthy society. Do you see? Um, there's benefits to a capitalistic society, but there's also a specific trial that is a part of capitalism um, because uh, the only trial in our life is not the trial of difficulty. One of the most dangerous trials of our life is the trial of prosperity. As a pastor, I've seen people who, as long as they were barely making it, <laughs> they could have a life of spiritual discipline and stay focused on the kingdom of God. But once they had enough money to uh, schedule vacations and buy a second house and afford a bass boat, you know who you are, uh, all of a sudden uh, church just dropped way down in their uh, priority list. Now, I was happy for them in some ways, um, I've been rich and I've been poor, and I want you to know rich is better. <laughs> True story. Um, I was happy for them, but at the same time, I was sad for them. Because if we're not careful, prosperity creates a specific trial in our life. And so we're looking at what does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to be unsuccessful? What does it mean to be spiritually successful? What does it mean to be spiritually unsuccessful? So let's get started. We're going to be referencing the book of Jeremiah some as we proceed. Um, will you preach with me for a few moments here today? I, I want to deliver my soul what's God's put in me. What is success by your definition? You see, it doesn't matter so much if you have a memorized definition. It doesn't matter so much if you can quote Webster's Dictionary when I ask you that question. When I ask you what is what constitutes success in your life, what matters is the answer you live, not the answer you give. Uh, how you live out that question. What does it mean to have a life that is successful versus a life that is unsuccessful? Now, as mortals, we are all short-lived, temporary. Uh, the Bible says, man that is born is a few days and full of trouble. Uh, now, women have it made. They don't have trouble in their life, but the men bear the heavy weight of trouble. Did I? Anyway, moving along. Um, that's why it's important that the women uh, give all the credit to the men because we are the one. Well, that's not. I, I, okay, mm, moving along. <laughs> Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble, do you see? And so um, I want all of you to know that we wrestle on a daily basis with answering this question of what is it that is uh, success in our life 
versus what is happening when we feel like we are losing our way. Worldly success, carnal success, business success, career success, it all mocks us. Why? Because we can't see tomorrow. And thus, the old joke, uh, if you want to make God laugh, you can always do it by saying, I have a plan. Uh, You can always make heaven laugh by saying, I have a plan. Uh, Our plans are not bad in themselves. We don't want to make that presumption. We should plan. We should be intentional. We should organize ourselves and strive. And I want to remind all of you that success is not just uh, spiritual. It's not just religious in our lives. Success is very much a part of our unique creation. God made you with a certain set of interests, a certain set of skills. You'll find yourself drawn to certain businesses. You'll find yourself drawn to certain careers. That is not wrong. And it is in no way a detriment to yourself to have abilities and interests. In fact, uh, I would remind you, as I often do, that Adam and Eve were given work in the garden before the fall in sin and before temptation. As if to say we were created to have meaningful work and duties in our life. Work was not the result of sin. Work was before the fall. And so it is that you see Adam and Eve placed in a garden they could not create. But even so, placed by God, and God gives them two duties. Number one, the first duty is to take care of that garden that he has given them. So it is in your life. uh, What you have in your life is not some accident. It is the gift of God. You're supposed to tend that garden. Um, yeah, you know the old saying, the grass is greener on the other side. No, the grass is not greener on the other side. It's greener when it's watered. <laughs> and so if you water it on your side, uh, it's greener on your side. If uh, your neighbor waters it, it's greener at his uh, My neighbor always is making me feel like a bad neighborhood participant because he's out there every Saturday and every Sunday. There one leaf pops up above the ground and he's out there doing Kung Fu. I'm not even kidding you. The one leaf. And they're like, really? You're killing me already? Already? It's only been a week. And my, my neighborhood looks like, you know, whosoever will. <laughs> I mean, my lawn looks like whosoever will, you know. <laughs> I need to get out there and do some of that lawn work too. But you understand what I'm, I'm, I'm saying. The grass is greener where it's taken care of. It's greener where it's cared for. If you aren't tending the garden of your career, it is not being as prosperous as it would be if you would tend what God has given you. If you're not taking care of your household and taking care of your marriage and taking care of your kids, you're not doing, oh, I'm preaching, I, y'all, no one's saying amen. 
man. It would do better if you would say, God, you placed me in a garden I could not create, and you gave me the opportunity to take care of it. I will tend the garden you have given me. So we, in our lives, we have this responsibility. We have the spiritual yes, and we seek first the spiritual. Uh, But it is a misunderstanding to think that as long as Sunday is good, nothing else matters. That is actually not the case. And when we have good Sundays and the rest of our life is a disaster, we don't become a steward, Christian steward with Christian testimony. We become a a Christian cliche, do you see? Because we got one thing organized and everything else is kind of a bit of a mess. But I want you all to know and I want you all to understand that the rest of your life is part of God's gift to you all. Also, you are created with abilities and gifts. If you're going uh, to be uh, uh, an attorney, you need to be the best attorney in the city. Why? You're doing it unto the Lord. If you're a small business owner, you need to have the best client relationships in the city. They need to think of you as a one-stop problem answering service who's honest and fair. Why? You're doing it as unto what? The Lord, do you see? It's not just Sunday's okay and nothing else matters. Our testimony goes with us into our society. I am tired of people thinking the preacher is the only one anointed for purpose. This is not biblical. You all are anointed for spiritual purpose, and you need to let your light shine in your world. Uh, We wrestle with this issue. What's success? What is not success? How do I know I'm successful? When am I unsuccessful? And if we're not careful, we begin to judge success and uh, failure in the terms and the values of the world. And most people define it this way. Success is an achievement of some high position in a particular field, for example, business or politics. Well, uh, that's a very common definition, and that's also a very common thing that people think and live out. They look around them and they see the people who have attained some success in a field and they say, that person is successful. Uh, That person may have their personal life falling apart. They may have poor friendships. Their children may no longer want to speak to them. Uh, They may have destroyed every relationship of any value in their life. But if they have some position in a high field of endeavor, Um, If we're not careful, we value them by uh, this perceived accomplishment uh, because that's how the world values them. Another thing that you will hear people say is uh, someone who has achieved a position of fame or notoriety, person who has made a lot of money, or a person who is admired a great deal, that constitutes a success. But I I would like to broaden this. I'm intentionally not just taking a spiritual uh, interpretation of success. Why? Why am I not just taking a spiritual version of success? Because the truth is, uh, particularly in the apostolic movement, we have celebrated tremendously the spiritual individual and their gift to the body of Christ 
and we have under-celebrated the members of the church who aren't perceived as, as spiritual in a group setting. But I want to, before I go any further, I want to give a shout out to all the people in this church who you've never asked for a microphone, but this church exists because of you. The reason we have pews to sit on is because of you. The reason we can pay for electricity bill, electricity bill is because of you. I'm thankful for our spiritual ones who are strong and bold and will step forward. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I just want us to be aware that if we're not careful, we'll always celebrate them and not celebrate the people who show up, pay the bills, support the work, and make everything possible. The Lord sees. Let me say that again. The Lord sees. And a day comes when it's going to be an upside-down kingdom and the person who hasn't been celebrated down here will be first. And some of us who have received reward here, we will be honored to see your addition to the kingdom of God. And can somebody say amen? Churches are strange collections of ministries made possible by people you'd be surprised to know. Sure, I'm going to say that again. I've been pastoring. I've been around churches my whole life. Churches are uh, uh, unique, sometimes eccentric collections of ministries made possible by people who you'd, you would be surprised to know. Uh, because oftentimes it's uh, those people who make everything possible. I bless you today. I intentionally want to show success to include the spiritual, but to also acknowledge that God created you with gifts and talents and abilities, and his blessing can be on your career just like it's on your Sunday service. His blessing can be on your business just like it's on your Sunday worship. His blessing can be in your household. Your light can shine in more ways than someone coming to church with you on Sunday. You can be a blessing to the whole world, Abraham. Don't limit yourself. Don't think that it's just you and your children. It's not just you and your household, Abraham. Through you shall all the nations of the world be blessed. I, I want you to see how God uses all of you. Because the enemy will come and he will tell you that you don't really matter. You don't make a difference. You don't move the needle. You're just a, a face that is uh, kind of in the crowd. And therefore, you should just be content to be satisfied with inclusion and never be tempted into uh, leading or mentoring or helping. I, I want to challenge that today. And I want to say to you, you would be surprised what God would do with you if you would stand up and say, here I am, Lord, show me the next step of spiritual leadership in my life. The garden of the Lord is much closer than you realize to you. In fact, I'll surprise you by reminding you whether or not you have been reminded recently that you are actually living in the God, in the garden that God has created for you. I could sit down with you and I could have you make a list of your friends, people 
you don't have to gain trust with. They already trust you. People you don't have to include in your life in order to get to know them. So then you could do ministry. And I imagine we could come up with a list, five or 10 names, people you already know that need your word of encouragement. There's plenty of people with the gift of discouragement. Uh, There's people like that that hang around churches. There's there's people I've seen that every time they make a friend with some of the church, I think to myself, boy, I, I hope they make it because that person will rain on their spiritual parade every single time. We have that. Let me tell you what we need. We need people who bless everybody in their life. They have the gift of encouragement in their life. They speak hope one to another. Uh, And so I want you to consider that we could sit down and you could make a list and write down five or ten names of people that you already have connection with, you already have credibility with, you already know when they're hurting, you already know when they need to do better, you already know when they're discouraged, do you see? You already know. We could take that list with names you had written on it and we could get a big magic marker and we could put at the top of that page, God's vineyard for me. You are living in God's vineyard. Your word could make a difference today. Your testimony could make a difference today. I am challenging you all to see how you are available to make a difference in God's kingdom now. Some people say, you know, I, it's not, I, I don't have the talent. Some people say, you know, I, I started too late. Let me, let me real quick talk to those of you who think that you started too late. Um, uh, there was a young broadcaster who was fired from a job, and she, she thought she would never get another opportunity in broadcasting. She thought that she had been, because she had been fired and because it was kind of an awkward situation, that she would never again have a chance to work again in broadcasting. And um, you actually know her. You just don't realize that you know her. Her name is Oprah Winfrey. And uh, I guess you could say she went on to some uh, broadcasting success. <laughs> You think? Uh, At age 30, Jonah Peretti was a middle school teacher. He thought he'd never have a chance to build his dreams of uh, the ideas he had. But uh, even though he was 30, even though he was a middle school teacher, he went on and uh, founded and built two different multimedia uh, online companies, BuzzFeed and Huffington Post. And today he's a billionaire, a multi-billionaire, because uh, he did not decide at 30 uh, that it was, you know, his life was set. At age 40, uh, there was a kind of an eccentric guy who had a strange uh, habit and hobby of drawing uh, drawing cartoons. Uh, He thought at 40 that he would never get another opportunity, but he went on to create the Fantastic Four. Spider-Man and X-Men comments, which, although I've never read them, I'm sure they're super cool. At age 40, uh, at age 50, Julia Child thought she would never have another chance. She had wanted to uh, do a cookbook, but she had never been able to do one. But she wrote her first cookbook at age 50. At age 62, Colonel Sanders decided he would finally fulfill his dream, and he opened a, a restaurant. And now you all know the KFC. At age 77, Nelson Mandela thought that he had wasted his life in prison, 27 years in in prison. He thought he would never have any opportunity. His moment had passed. And then he was elected the president of South Africa and led that nation to a whole new renewing. 
Let me say it this way. Success has no deadline. It's not too late. Stop. Stop. It's too late. Stop. I won't have a chance. Stop. There is no deadline in success. It could be that right now there is an effective door that's being opened in your life. And you look up and you say, God, I am willing to pursue working in the vineyard you have placed me in. I couldn't create this vineyard. I couldn't give myself life. I didn't place myself in this time. You did all of that. But Lord, now that I am here, I want you to know I'm showing up for work in the garden of the Lord. We talk ourselves out of success. Uh, if there's one teaching example in the scripture on this difficulty of am I being, am I success or am I failure? Um, and this example is primarily ministerial in its teaching, but uh, you cannot preach about struggle in ministry or failure in ministry without preaching about Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah is the quintessential example of mightily anointed and seemingly a failure. I'll tell you why. Um, he was one of the most prolific and powerful prophets of the Old Testament. He served three different kings of the house of Israel, three different kings, and uh, they ranged from good to bad to horrible, or good, bad, and ugly. It was just the nation literally, when these kings were finished in their slide toward idolatry and immorality, there was nothing left of the nation. A judgment had come, uh, and the Lord was sending Jeremiah to tell the people that he would not accept what they had made of the covenant and that he would bring judgment and then he would restore them. But you know, the most famous, the most encouraging scripture in all the word of God about the uncertainty of your future was actually written by this prophet who seemingly only has failure in his story. You know, the famous passage uh, where he says, uh, Jeremiah says, and this is chapter 29, verse number 11, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Uh, or as King James uh, says it, to prosper you uh, and give you hope. That scripture has a special place here at First Church because uh, one of our strong ministries to the surrounding neighborhood is called Prosper You. Uh, and its theme scripture is here, uh, Jeremiah 29, verse number 11, uh, that the Lord says, I, you know, I've considered uh, my thoughts towards you and my, my thoughts towards you have peace in them. I'm going to give you a future. Uh, you're not trapped. You're not helpless. I, I, have, I know what I'm thinking about you. I am going to prosper you. <laughs> And that many of you serve and prosper you on Wednesday nights. Uh, Jamala, who greets you all uh, in the service, uh, she's one of uh, our leaders in Prosper You. Um, this is valuable to us as a church, as believers. We celebrate the scripture that the Lord, he has good thoughts towards us. He thinks good things towards us. And we celebrate that. But we forget that that was written by a prophet who was universally rejected by the people he had been sent to minister to. Let me give you some interesting background on Jeremiah that's easy to forget. And I love this little detail of his life. 
Jeremiah was the son of a, a priest, and for a while, his, his father, if we understand correctly, uh, served as the high priest, and uh, his father's name, uh, let me make sure I pronounce this right, uh, is, let's see, I got to find my notes, I want to get this right, Hi, uh, Hilkiah, Hilkiah, uh, one of the high priests of Israel, and when he was a child, when Jeremiah was a child, uh, he was growing up in a priestly city where it's just the priests um, uh, that would live in the city. Uh, and they would, when their duty came, they would go to the temple and they would serve in the temple. So when uh, Hilkiah's du- duty came, Came, his time was there. He was at the temple, and he was, you can read the story in 2 Kings, he was the high priest um, who actually was going through the things at the temple. They had lost the law of God. They had misplaced somehow the Pentateuch or some significant portion of the Pentateuch, and they had lost it. And he was the one, Hilkiah, who was going through the house of the Lord, and he discovered under some other scrolls and parchments and writings and whatnot, he discovered the lost law of the Lord. How exciting would that be? To be the one who you went to church house and the preacher's like, my God, I lost my Bible. Can't find my Bible. Looking everywhere for my Bible. And then about that time, uh, you found the Bible. Man, that would be so fun. Imagine the impact on young Jeremiah when his father comes home and tells him the story how they had all, they had misplaced the word of of God and he was searching through the house of God and he had found the word of God in the house of God. Jeremiah grew up with a hunger and a love and a passion for the work of God, for the law of God, for the word of God and uh, you see this coming to him at a very young age. Uh, chapter number one of his book, he tells the story in verse number four that God spoke to him, Jeremiah, and said this to him, uh, Before I formed you, verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. God has a purpose for you, Jeremiah. This isn't an accident. God has a purpose for you. So all of you believers, I want to tell you this. God has a purpose for you. God has placed you. You're not random. God has a purpose for you. God has a place for you. Elbow your neighbor and say, God has a purpose for you. God speaking to you. You need to hear what he's saying to you. Because if you don't hear the voice of God, it's no wonder you will never discover the purpose of God. You need to hear the voice of God in your life. It's too easy to come to church and think, oh, I'll let brother so-and-so do that. I'll let sister so-and-so do that. You need to hear the word of the Lord because the word of the Lord is going to come to you. And on the subject of purpose, you can't hear from other people. 
Some of the biggest mistakes I've seen done in ministry is when someone else tries to tell somebody their spiritual purpose. It almost always leads to a type of confusion of some degree or another. You need to seek the face of God. You need to ask yourself what gifts you have. God put his thumbprint on you. You are unique. You can do things I can't do. You have friends I don't have. You can minister to people I will never see. My path will never cross them. You can make a difference. You have a purpose. Uh, Jeremiah is struggling with this, and he says, look, I'm, I'm too young. I'm just a kid. Um, in uh, Jewish culture, even today, uh, young people didn't have much respect. Everyone thought that they should just uh, be seen and not heard and pretty much just show up and do what they're told. Um, I still feel that way. <laughs> now that I'm older. But when I was young, I didn't feel that way at all. Uh, <laughs> just having fun. And so Jeremiah, uh, he, he makes the excuse that's predictable. He says, look, um, okay, I'm all excited about this purpose of God. I'm all excited about this, but we have a problem down here. Lord, let me give you the reasons why I can't do anything. So um, this is a plot applicable to all of us. We all give God the reasons why we can't do anything. Amen. And again, I say amen. We are experts at making a list of our limitations. We are experts of making a list of how we don't have the ability or we don't have the strength. We don't have what it what we take. Uh, and Jeremiah makes these excuses to the Lord and the Lord uh, lets him know that he's not impressed with his excuses. Verse number seven, do not say, the Lord says to Jeremiah, I am a youth. Stop it already. You see how I did that? Yeah. Stop it already. Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Verse number eight, do not be afraid of their faces. People judge you with a look. And if you agree in your spirit with their look, you will cast away your confidence. People will sneer because you have the courage that they don't have. And they will use contempt to try to pull you down to their level. And if you're serving their approval, you will always quit. You will always quit. You will always quit. You will always quit. You've got to find a better reason to serve than who approves and who disapproves of you. This is a challenge for all religious people, and this is really the subject of what Jesus talks about on the Sermon on the Mount. Do you want to serve God, or do you want to be seen to serve God? The Pharisees wanted to be seen to serve God. It wasn't enough to pray and fast. They weren't in it for the prayer and fasting. They were in it so people would see them pray and fast. What they wanted was not status with God. What they wanted was status with men. Now, the result of this is the Lord said, just leave them alone. They have their reward. But when you pray, don't announce to everybody and talk about how brag you are. I guess I probably shouldn't send out a text that we're going to pray. That's like announcing that you're going to pray. But we're praying together, so we'll give ourselves a pass on that. We're not better than anybody because we're praying. Uh, so <laughs> you see how I just lost my totally love. Us moving along. Um, don't do, do you want to be used of God or you want to be seen to be used of God? This is the challenge of all ministers because ministers and leaders, we tend to get our ambitions that are in some ways career and talent based mixed up with our spiritual opportunity. And so when our career seems to be going good, then we're anointed. But if our career's not going good, then we're not God's man, not God's woman. And we have crossed 
connected the flaws of ego with mission. And let me tell you, if you want to kill mission, uh, mix it with your ego. Because your ego needs to be fed, but missions is never done. It's still going to be there whether you feel good about it or bad about it. Do you see what I'm saying? You have to separate ego from mission. And you have to say, I will find a way to work in the fields of the Lord because you have called me to do so. I have been called. I have a mission. And secondly, you are not impressed with my excuses. Why? The Lord says to him, do not be afraid of their faces. I will deliver you. He tells him, I will be with with you. This is about the presence of God. He tells him, do not be afraid. I will be with you. Notice verse eight again. Do not be afraid of their faces for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. I I, I, want to linger for just maybe a minute more on this idea of don't be afraid of their faces. And the reason why is um, so often in uh, religious circles, it's almost as though God knows religious people. It's almost as though God, whenever he needs uh, somebody who is willing to kill others, (laughs) uh, I'm just not going to say that. I'm going to move right along. Um, He knows religious people. Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. Um, People will find a way to make you feel like um, you're not doing nothing. They'll find a way. Who are you serving? We've got to free ourselves from the judgment of the critic, and we've got to seek to please God with our lives. So uh, the Lord says he will be with us. So first was purpose. Next was presence. Don't be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you. I am with you to deliver you. You have a purpose. You have the presence of God with you, and that leads you to having the power of God upon you. I want to, however, take a moment and explain something that is helpful for us to see in terms of the power of God. Now we're continuing. This is Jeremiah chapter 1, verse number 9. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull up, to destroy and to throw down to build and to plant. You see, here is the reality of so much of our experience. I, I'll start with myself in this regard because I, I, can, I can be excited about the purpose of God. I, like you, have tried to give every, uh, with, with mixed results and with imperfect motives. I, I, I'm just as flawed as anyone else, but I have tried for the most part to live my life toward the kingdom of God. Uh, Many things I could have done better on many given days. You get the idea. I haven't attained nothing. I've accomplished nothing. But I, from the age of uh, 18, where I felt the call of God on my life, I've pretty much organized the whole of my life around ministry of some type. And I made an early mistake uh, that was not, it was not a terrible mistake. In fact, I think it is the most common mistake of youth, and that is to misunderstand 
what it means to have the power of God in my life. Because when we talk about the power of God, what we mean, whether or not we admit it, is we talk about the glory of God. And what we think that means is I am going to be exalted. I'm going to be big time. I'm going to preach the camp meetings and conferences. I'm going to be a minister to the celebrities. I just, I just, it just cracks me up so much. Uh, there was a church that had a celebrity pastor. He was a pastor to the celebrities, and that just cracks me up so much. I don't, I don't even know where to start with that. I, they may have done good work. I don't know. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying that's just hilarious. I want to be... <laughs> I want to be the minister to the millionaires. No, 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 let me, I want to be the minister to the generous millionaires. You see what I'm saying? You can have the stingy millionaires. They ain't worth nothing. This is, it's so, so, you know, the young, you think, oh, that means I'm going to be a big time preacher, do you see? That means they're going to fly me in. That means I'm going to have my own plane. Yes, let it happen, Lord. I'm going to have my own TV show. I'm going to have my own movie studio. And there's going to be people screaming everywhere I go. Let it be, let it be, let it be. You see, I mix up the power of God with images of some type of ministry, ministry grandeur. Jeremiah, if you do that, if you do that, you're going to want to quit very quickly because people are not going to receive your message, Jeremiah. You are going to become an image of how God gives a witness even to people who will not receive. Uh, Don't always be discouraged by the people in your life that you witness to and they don't receive it. God gives a witness to the people who do not receive. That's, you can do a whole Bible study on that, not doing it today. Uh, Jeremiah, work, you're going to be characterized by the less than successful ministry. No one's going to fly you in to preach anything. No one is going to sell the shirts that have your ministry, Jeremiah Ministries LLC on it. Uh, n- nobody's going to do that, Jeremiah. You're going to be rejected, but you need to see that the power of God is with you. But wait a minute. Doesn't that seem crazy? How can can I have the power of God with me if I do not have successful ministry by my own definition? And so we're torn. Is it successful? Is it unsuccessful? Is it successful? Is it unsuccessful? What if we looked at the power of God slightly different and different and rather than celebrating how we have power of God, why don't we celebrate how we have confidence in God? What if I challenged you to celebrate having confidence in God? I'm almost done. Musicians come. You see, when you have confidence in God, things can work out great or not so great, but you have what? Confidence in God. Your life can turn out to be the fairy tale or it can turn out to be nightmare on Elm Street. That's what happened to my life. It could be one or the other, do you see? But because you have confidence in God. You see, Jeremiah, you're going to preach the word. It won't be received. They'll be angry at you, but here's the thing. You're still God's man. That's hard, isn't it? That's hard, isn't it? If I approve of my success, then I'm God's man. Oh, but that's not the way the kingdom of God works. They may or may not receive. You're still God's man. And to prove this to you, I'm putting my words in your mouth. 
You know what destroys a lot of our momentum in ministry? We speak our words and not God's words. Don't have time to preach that. The Lord put his hand on my mouth. He touched me. The Lord said, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. God's touch changes, empowers. It gives us the word to speak. Now, notice the call is directly related to his ability to speak. And so all of us are, we define the connection between the spiritual and the ordinary of our life through the words we speak. It is through the language we speak. Now, this isn't new. This goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve are given the duty to tend for a garden and they're given the, the responsibility to name everything in that garden. It's going to be what you say it is. The connection between heaven and earth is with the word you speak. John will establish this when he connects to the life, death, and ministry of Jesus Christ, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The fact that in the beginning was the word of God. It is the word, do you see? It is the word that connects the spiritual with the rest of your life. So what are you saying about your garden? What are you saying about the needs in your life? What are you saying? If you call it bad, it's going to feel like it's bad. If you call it good, it's going to feel like it's good. But what God wants to do is to pick up his man or his woman and set them before a valley of dry bones and ask this question, can these bones live? Not all gardens are beautiful to look at. Can you preach to this garden here, uh, uh, prophet? Can you see death and acknowledge that God can bring new life? What are you going to do with a world full of death? I'm going to change what I say to it. I'm going to say, I'm going to change what I say to it. So to everybody who feels like you've struggled this week, I want to say this to you. God's got your back. Everybody who's hurt this week, everybody who's hurt this week, Lord, I pray for everybody in this house who spent a week in pain, God. I pray for them here today. They've carried uh, pain in their life. Doesn't matter how, doesn't matter where, they've carried pain in their life. Lord Jesus, I speak the words of life over the dry bones of their experience, and I say, God will bring life. I speak, I speak today to the garden God has placed me to work in. God has placed me right here on the corner of Sharon Ammon and Shamrock. My whole life is tied up in this corner. <sighs> Starting at the age of 13, I spent most days of the week here. Uh, we worked building. I grew up in this church. I left to get my to go to uh, a religious school, and I uh, I spent ten years as an evangelist. God brought me back here, quite against my will. Incidentally, that's another testimony I'll tell you sometime. God put me here. He placed me here. He saved my faith, putting me here, showing me that I could work with people like you. He saved my faith. He He restored the years of, of pain that I had had lived with, which uh, much self imposed. I was not always uh, the, the, the wisest. Like you, I let things hurt me that shouldn't have hurt me. But it doesn't matter if you should have or shouldn't or have, it still hurts. You know what I'm saying? He put me back and he placed this as my garden. I, I have to love the people God puts in this garden. 
I have to embrace the people that God puts in this garden. You're not near as perfect as I am, but I love you anyway. You see what I'm saying? You're not near as, near as, near as, 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 as wise as I am, but I love you anyway. You know what I mean? Your life isn't the picture of excellence that my life is, but I love you anyway. Uh, my, wife's, my wife can't hardly take it. She's shaking her head over here. She's like, Lord, I, mm, I, will have, I will have words with you later. The honor of my life is to be placed right here in this garden and to love you guys. I don't just love you, I admire you. And you know what I want for you? I want to see your hands elbow deep in the harvest, ministering, loving, embracing. And not, not just that, I want to see you grow in your Christian maturity where stuff that, that used to really hurt you, it's just water off a duck's back now because God has placed some foundations within you and you shall not be moved. I want to see you blessed in your careers. I mean that. I, I literally believe that our careers are part of our testimony. I want to see you blessed in your finance. I'm praying for the day you're debt-free. Grant it, Lord. Grant it, Lord. You know why? That's part of your testimony. It is. That's why we work as unto the Lord, do you see? Do you see how the Bible pushes those two worlds, to, the worlds together? We serve as unto the Lord. We work as unto the Lord. The Bible pushes these together. I, I want to see you have favor in that arena of your life. I want to see you blessed. I want to see your children prosper. I love when I, I, I we get these, see these kids, they, 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 they go to college, they come home from college, and you talk to them, and they're such admirable people, and they're strong, and they, they kept their faith through college. They weren't perfect. There's, they, they wouldn't be welcome in this church if they were perfect. I can't, I can't pastor by perfect people. I run all the perfect people off. I do. Because I, I, I want you, I love y'all. I want you to stay, and if one perfect person would ruin y'all, that, that just... You wouldn't feel welcome anymore. When your kids grow in strength, I see them developing. I see them growing. Now they, they're in leadership. I, I have, let me, let me brag on some of my kids here today. I've watched, I've watched Adam grow up here in this church, and uh, he, he, he's such a fine young man. I don't know what his uh, mom and dad did to turn him out to be such a fine young man. I, I'll be honest with you, Adam. I didn't have high hopes for you. Uh, I'm just teasing. I always had high hopes for you. So, just, just, just an admirable young man. If you were my son, I would be so stinking proud of you. I would. Valeria, what? How many years is uh, our bold uh, director? Two and a half years. Two and a half years. She she worked as our basically our, the youth pastor of our church. Now she was never comfortable with me calling her youth pastor, but let, that's what she did. So I call her youth pastor for two and a half years. And let me just let me just tell you guys. Let me just tell you guys the truth. And my leadership team will agree with this. Everything she touched, she made better. She did not touch a single thing that she did not make it better. And I, 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 I saw her, and I know, I know her mom's just, just sanctified, proud of her. Even though I take all the credit, you're, you're, you're proud. You know what I'm saying? I steal everybody's kids. Don't worry. I'll steal yours, too. <laughs> but I send you the bills. Don't worry. You still have to pay for everything. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, I've seen how God has developed. And then their lives came together. And uh, this uh, actually, not to end on a sad note here, but uh, there actually is their last Sunday is today. Come up here real quick. I want you guys to come up here real quick. Um, I wasn't intending on doing this as part of this, this part of the service, but... Um, uh, I, I want to give I want to give these guys honor. They have worked so hard. They have made everything they have done. I'll never forget Adam when you told me you were going to learn the guitar. I thought that was the funniest thing I ever heard in my life. Adam Hodge going to be on the guitar, rocking out. I could I knew he had the hair to be a headbanger. I just could not see him banging that head. But you know what that sucker did? He had grit. He did it. You know how easy it is to talk? Blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm like, okay, show me. You know, show me the money. Um, he did it. You hear that guy play now? I mean, he wasn't playing this morning. I miss him. Melix was depressed. If you notice, Melix had a tear coming out the whole time. He's like, the Lord still loves me. There's a tear coming down. He's not even crying about the Lord. He's crying because Adam's leaving. We love you. Extend your hands toward them right now. Let's pray over them. Lord Jesus, I pray your protection upon them. I pray your anointing upon them. I pray that you would give them favor in everything they do. I pray that they would find a place, a safe place to grow and prosper. I pray that you would lead them in paths of testimony. Uh, they have everything they need to be successful at whatever they want to do. But Lord, let it be for the glory of your name. Let it be for the testimony of your kingdom. Lord, if it be your will, and we do submit to your will, if it be your will in the right, proper time, bring them back here so they can continue to be a part of the leadership team, leadership structure here at First Church. We know them and we are instructed to know them that labor among us. Be with them, I pray, oh God. Comfort their, their parents as they are uh, miss them. And Lord, don't let them have any children until they come back home. Love you guys. Why y'all have to treat me like this? So how are we going to how are we going to uh, uh, shuffle this around? All of us are placed. All of this all are by God. All of us have seasons and times we grow. Um, and we have a tremendous team here working with Bull. Um, Cam, run up here. Are you back there somewhere? What happened to Cam? I thought I'd offended you, brother. Cam, run up here. This, this is another one of my children right here. If you look close, you can see he looks just like me. Um, if, I, if I don't shave, then I have a little goatee just like his. That looks just like his. Um, he's going to be stepping into our youth pastor role here, director uh, leading the bowl. And I want to, I want to say this. I want to say this. He has supported. He has supported Valeria. He has supported her team, um, and he has been willing to work without acknowledgement as far as like at this this kind of a context. And in fact, I would I would like to let you know and all of you know just to show what kind of a team we have here and what kind of young people. You're still young people. When you're my age, under the age of 40, you're a child. So, um, it's not that bad. So I was talking to Valeria about the transition, and um, once I got done sobbing, and I was in the like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I asked.
her her recommendation of uh, uh, of leadership, and uh, she immediately she said the first thing I want to say is I have such an incredible team. She said, you could ask any one of them to be the leader. She said, and they would absolutely kill it. So that was the first statement she said about the role here at First Church. And uh, so through the process and through prayer and through talking uh, with with various ones, um, I... We, we do we do have a team-based approach with most most ministries but as far as uh, the point of contact the main director um, we're honored to have this talented young man step into this role and serve the Lord with us and minister with us I love you brother say one more thing to brag on uh, Cam. Uh, Cam is, uh, in a way, he's kind of a, a rare duck. I don't mean he's weird. I mean, he's a rare duck. Um, why I say that is because he started coming to this church as a, as a young person. Um, he didn't have family bringing him to church. He came to this church by himself, and he became a member of this church, and he committed to this church as an early teenager. I mean, I, I, how, how old were you? Twelve years old. He told his his mom, if I have this right, just don't just pretend like I'm telling the truth. If I have this wrong. This is how I remember you telling it. But sometimes when you're preaching, you make it better. You know what I mean? You make it better. So if I get it wrong, you straighten me out later, okay? Um, he told his mom, his 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 family didn't, didn't come to this church, didn't want to come to this church. He told them he wanted to come to this church. He felt the Holy Ghost of that church, and he was going to make a commitment to this church. And she, you know, she's a good mom. She was like, well, okay. She's probably like me. Well, let's see how long that lasts. Now, almost 10 years later... It still lasts. Not only that, he finished high school, didn't lose his faith. Testimony. Went to college, didn't lose his faith. Stayed involved. Graduated from college as an engineer or graduates this this coming semester uh, as an engineer. Didn't lose his faith. Got a job here in Charlotte with an engineering firm here in Charlotte. Didn't lose his faith. Am I successful? Am I unsuccessful? Am I doing good? Am I doing bad? Am I making a difference? Am I not making a difference? Our flesh is not a good judge of seeing the difference we can make in the kingdom of God. You have to do what Jeremiah did. You have to say, number one, (laughs) I'm called. God has called me to a purpose. I have a unique set of circumstances in my life. He's placed me in a garden. I don't have to gain credibility in that garden. I can start ministering right where I am. I can start encouraging people, showing the affection and charity of God to people, including people right now. Secondly, his presence is with me. I'm not alone. No matter how difficult of time you have, if you'll find a place and call on the name of Jesus, you'll feel his presence is as close as the mention of his name. Number three, instead of judging myself on my perception of power, let me judge myself on my confidence in God. I may control the outcome, I may not control the outcome, but God is on the throne. 
and I am going to serve him with all that is in me. Stand with me all across the house. I want to pray over you today, and I want to pray that God would stir your heart of spiritual ambition. I want to pray that you would have this passion within you arise and it would be some version of God has, you've given me a set of abilities and the uniqueness and I want to take everything in my life and I want to use it to give your name glory. Lord Jesus, I'm praying for every believer here in this house. Lord, I'm praying for every individual who stands in the place you have put them. It's not an accident that you have placed them. You have intentionally placed them. Lord Jesus, I'm praying today, oh God, that you would work among your people. I'm praying that you would take our hands and take our feet, Lord Jesus, and that we would have the confidence to step into the fields of the Lord. We would have the confidence to believe that we can make a difference in the world. We would have the confidence to believe that of your kingdom, we could be a contributor. We could be the voice. We could be the one who goes, who is involved. Lord, I pray against the feelings of discouragement that hinder us. I I rebuke the lies of hell that limit us. I I speak against the uh, lack of confidence that is in some way, uh, it betrays our abilities because we we cast away our confidence. Lord Jesus, I'm praying that you would be strong among your people. I'm praying that you would use them for the work in the kingdom of the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. First, I'd like us to pray one for another. Find someone nearby, take their hand, reach out, put a hand on their shoulder. Let's let's look for someone around us. Um, Let's just pray one for another right now. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you'll help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us. Thank you.